There we go. Well, good morning. Good morning. Ooh. That was a pretty sleepy good morning. Late night. Yes. All right. I'm Vic. I'm the college pastor down on the end there. We have Joel, um, who's our communications pastor, and, and we've, we've added a third. This is Chip. Some of you recognize Chip. You may not recognize him this morning, though, because the last time you saw him, he was a little more dressed up. <laughs> looks a little bit like this. You didn't tell me you were going to have a picture. Well, I mean. That's not fair. I'm going to have well, a picture you, on you, you next made time. This, you made the choice. You're here. That's true. Although that is a good looking t-shirt. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll try to represent. Yes. All right. And the voice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thankful for the common grace of water this morning. Yes. For those of you who don't know, that is Chip. I think we covered that. I think this All, is established. Uh, like. This morning we're going to be in the book of James today. <laughs> James 1. Yes, we'll be in James 1. But t-shirts, speaking of t-shirts. Yeah, so we have these Wadi College t-shirts. If you want one bad enough, they're on sale for $50. Uh, wow. Vin, Venmo, Joel Shim. Yeah, just Venmo my Wait. account. Um, no, here's, here's Chip. He's a part of Wadi College. He wears the t-shirt. And I'm sure you guys uh, are, have been a part of organizations here. Uh, you've got a UGA shirt. Last night, you were wearing red uh, shirts because you were representing UGA football. Am I right? So was we there, have. Was there a game yesterday? Apparently. Apparently. Yeah. Noted. Uh, so we have shirts that we wear that represent, you know, things we're a part of. Uh, But sometimes, if you're like me, you have a shirt that you have absolutely nothing to do with, but you wear it anyways. And I have one of these shirts. It's a Yosemite National Park shirt, and I picked up somewhere along the line. I have no idea where. Maybe someone's brought you back a shirt like that from a trip or something like that, and you wear it. And if you've ever had this experience, it's a little strange. You, like, don't know what to do. But I... Every time I wear it, at least one person will come up to me and, like, in the middle of public, like, you know, people don't always approach you, but for some reason when I wear this shirt, people are so excited that they've been to Yosemite that they come up to me and they're like, Joel, not Joel, they don't know my name. Uh, <laughs> that would be that. cool. What's your name on yeah. the back? Yeah. Joel. Give in to Joel. They're like, hey, I, I, I've been to Yosemite. You've been there, right? Like, it's amazing, right? You know, what, what was your favorite part? And I'm like... <laughs> Never been there. Who, who here has been to Yosemite? Anybody? Oh, y'all know. Wow. You gotta go. There's so many more. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta go. Yeah. You amazing. got the shirt, yeah. man. Yeah. So that's what I've learned from wearing the shirt that like I have to go there one day. And um, here's the idea that we're gonna be talking about this morning that I think my shirt represents. It's this that there's a difference between an outward expression that's just kind of an outward expression. There's not a lot of heart behind it. And an outward expression that comes from an inward experience. Think about that for a second, right? Sometimes, uh, well not sometimes, always the strongest outward expression comes from inward experiences. And that's what we're going to uh, see from James' instructions this morning. We're going to read that text. All right. So if you have had time to find the book of James... Uh, I'm going to pick up, I'm actually going to start in verse 18 where we left off last week and read through the end of chapter 1. Verse 18, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
Therefore, put away all filth, filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So, um, James, I think the, the main theme of the entire book of James is found in this section of scriptures, verse 22 mm-hmm. of chapter 1, be doers of the word, not just, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. We're in the, we're in the middle, in the middle, we're three weeks into a series called uh, How Life Works, and James is a really, really practical book of application of how life as a Christian in this world is supposed to work. And so we're going to talk through some of this today, um, this idea of what the Word does in our heart. Yeah, the Word is a huge theme in these verses. You'll see it mentioned three or four times. Uh, First, he starts talking about it as Word, and then he switches over to the law of liberty. Um, But it all begins in verse 18, where he says that, that we're first fruits of his creation. So if you missed it last week, we uh, landed there with this idea that God has set us apart. He saved us. If you know Christ, he set you apart as his first fruits. Uh, We're set apart from the world. He's going to talk about what that actually looks like, what it looks like to be set apart, how we're actually doers of the word, how we look different than the rest of the world. And and then he begins in 19 by saying, "Here's, here's the first idea. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And he begins that instruction by saying, know this. So he's saying something that we're not maybe going to inherently know. We have to soak this in. We have to get this. We have to learn this. Let every person be quick to hear. Quick to hear. And in order to be quick to hear, here's two things that you can't do or that you now have to do. Slow to speak, slow to anger. Yeah, so I think just to give us a bit of a framework of what's going on here, I want to introduce a couple vocabulary words. Hang with me. You didn't think you were going to be studying on Sunday, but um, orthodoxy should always lead to orthopraxy. So this is what James is getting at here. Orthodoxy is right thinking. It's believing the right things about God. It's knowing the right things about God. It's studying his word. It's hearing the word. It's receiving the word, but it can't stop there. We can't stop with hearing only. Orthodoxy must always lead to orthopraxy. Orthopraxy is how we live. Right thinking should always lead to right living. If it doesn't lead to right living, then we haven't actually understood correctly. So what James is getting at with all of this passage, and he's going to get very practical, we've started to touch Mm. on some of it, is that this right belief about who God is to actually encounter God, to actually encounter his word, to actually have it implanted in our souls is going to impact how we live. So so as we move through this text, I want you to just operate with this framework that this orthodoxy 
is going to impact how we live, orthopraxy. Yeah. And just a quick note here, you see our phone numbers on the screen. That's not just so you can text us at any time of the or night. Or buy a t-shirt. Uh, or buy a t-shirt, but that's there. If you want to ask a question while we're actually even speaking right now, we'll try to like, you're, you're, we're going to say something and be like, well, what about? And we, we try to answer those as we, as we can. So the, the idea of the word, right? We, we spent a year in John talking about the word that had become flesh. And so it's, uh, Joel's already alluded to this, but it's a big deal to James. Um, it's, where, it's where we get all the information, right, about God. He has revealed himself in his word. And James, uh, when, when he gives this quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, um, there, these are not themes that, are, that James is the first one to introduce, right? If you go back to Proverbs and you look at the Proverbs, the number of Proverbs that deal with those three categories is pretty astonishing, right? And, and again, we've talked about this before in this room. The Bible has no problem putting people into categories, right? The um, Proverbs, they're, they're basically two categories, the fool and the wise man. And if you do a quick study of the Proverbs, you will find that the fool is not quick mm -hmm. to hear. The fool is always quick to speak mm -hmm. and always quick to be angry. And so James is, again, reminding people, know this, you got to be reminded or you got to learn something new. These things characterize you as either a fool or a wise person. Yeah. And the fool is characterized by the idea of pride. Yeah. If you go through the book of Proverbs, you're going to see that the fool is prideful. Uh, and in contrast to that, Here's what we're to do, to not play the part of the fool. We are to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, and receive with meekness. So here's, here's the contrast. With humility, we receive the implanted word. Uh, with that instruction also comes put away filthiness and rampant wickedness. But what I want you to see right here from the start is our position. Here's how we relate to God. Here's how we relate to his word. We're not uh, prideful people who say, no, we got this figured out. We know how all this works. Even now, like as teachers, we hope we take this posture as, as, as learners together. We take this posture of saying we need to receive with humility, knowing that we need to be teachable in this moment. Uh, of what God is saying through his word. I'll, I'll tell you, there have been plenty of moments in my life where I probably was not characterized by being uh, slow to speak or slow to anger. One of the most convicting exercises I ever did was go through the book of Proverbs mm. and highlight all of the times that it talks about being quick to speak or being slow to speak, the fool versus the wise. Um, that was... That was pretty convicting because I, I'll, I'll tell you, there are political conversations where I'm pretty quick to give my opinion. Uh, there are classrooms where I'm pretty quick to give my opinion or someone says something that I just think is totally uh, out of bounds or, or just off their rocker. And I'm pretty quick to let them know that I think that. And James is saying that is not characteristic of the people who receive with meekness the implanted word. So, so let me ask, when we recognize in ourselves, man, I, I don't think I'm characterized by being quick to hear or slow to speak or slow to anger. 
what do, what do we do? How can we move out of being characterized by the foolish behavior into being characterized as, as the wise person? You, you mean, like, what do we do, like, this morning? Yeah. Um, so true confession time. You ready? So yesterday I spent my day uh, tiling uh, tubs around. Sounds like fun. In fact, my fingers. I have Band-Aids on my fingers. Um, and um, Cynthia helped me do that. And um, I was pretty uh, slow to hear. I was quick to speak and quick to be angry by the time we finished it, close to midnight. Mm-hmm. So this morning, I get here, and I'm like, oh. You have hmm, to teach this. I got to teach this. Huh. Maybe I shouldn't teach. That was my first lean. I've completely disqualified. Um, but this, you do what you do every time you realize you're inadequate. And you, we said it last week, you run to Jesus and confess your sin and uh, know you're a work in progress. And um, yeah, it's a very, it's a difficult, it's certainly a difficult passage if you're prone to, uh, you, you and I are a little bit alike in that uh, quick to speak Unfortunately, area. Yes. yes. Uh, and I used to play it off by going, well, I, it's just, I'm a prophet. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, My Myers-Briggs is that I'm an extrovert. Yeah, that, I use that too. Uh, yeah. But you, it's called repentance. It's, it's the, you, you come to Jesus and say, I, I, I have blown this horribly. And, and in the language of James, that is receiving with meekness the yeah. word. Mm-hmm. And, and just, uh, the, the, the idea of humility, we, we, we talked about it earlier this morning, Joel, this idea, um, we want to jump past the meekness and humility thing. Right. And, and just go, well, let's get right into the implanted word right. because we're people of the word. And um, the, the posture of humility is, is the posture of the kingdom. And um, I, I think back when we were working through John and we got to the text where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He, he, he took the posture and the position of the lowest form of servant. And that should be our posture. Not, not just when we're uh, in the Word or trying to approach the Word, but really James is going to unload this as we move through the rest of the book, that that's the posture we need to take toward everyone. This idea of meekness and humility, because true strength is actually found in that. And, and it's, it is critical, I believe, that the receive with meekness precedes this idea of the implanted word. Yeah, um, it's, this is the message of Jesus that James is preaching to us. So James doesn't pick up another gospel. James is preaching to us the same gospel that Jesus preached. And uh, you'll notice if you read the teachings of Jesus that he um, spends a lot of time on this idea of meekness. Uh, and he uses a, another parable, uh, a story, if you might remember this, where he talks about some seeds being sown. Mm-hmm. And he sows the seeds. There's a planter that goes out. He sows some seeds on, 
uh, this ground. But this ground was hard, and the seeds did not take. Uh, and then some other ground where the birds came and ate it. Uh, what James is saying here is that if we, with humility, receive his word, we'll be like the good soil that's also in that parable. That implanted seed comes down and plants into our life. But in receiving that, we have to put away. Uh, the, the word put away there in its original meaning takes on the idea of, of like uh, you having on shabby clothes and you taking those shabby clothes off. Uh, We have to put away filthiness. We have to put away rampant wickedness. And so picture the garden, and uh, this is what happened to me this summer. I was gone for two weeks, and in two weeks it was like, I had everything like clean and clear in my like uh, mulched garden areas, and I came back in two weeks and there were weeds everywhere. And it's just the way it works during the summer is like, that's what rampant wickedness is. You have to keep like mm, churning and oh. churning to like move these things out of your life. And that's a, all a part of this uh, implanted word, which is able to save your souls. That's good. And, and if you want the implanted word to, to renew you and give you life, you need to weed out the filthiness and fertilize it with meekness. That, that is how the word works. And as a matter of fact, I want to I turn to that parable. If you will, turn to Matthew 13 real quick with me. Um, so Jesus gives the parable of scattering the seeds. Um, Matthew 13, we'll pick up in verse 13. When you got it, say, I got it. Got it. I still hear pages rustling. So the disciples look at Jesus and they say, why, why are you talking in parables? As if that wasn't confusing enough. Jesus says, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn and I would heal them. Um, And so James is gonna go on to talk about um, what it looks like to hear but not do um, versus people who hear and do, the the fool and the wise. And and what really what's at root there is what Joel was saying there about whether the word has taken root there. There is a way to hear where you don't actually hear. Mm -hmm. There's a way to see where you don't actually see. Mm -hmm. There's a way to show up to church this morning, take notes on the sermon, and walk out of here and not actually process any of it. There's a way to read your Bible every morning, close it and walk out the exact same way you showed up. Mm -hmm. There's a way to show up to your tribe or your small group and walk out the exact same condition that you walked in. What James is calling us to is not a superficial hearing not where we scatter the seed and hope it happens. He's calling us to an active, humble, meek receiving of the word where we are teachable and where we say, Lord, would you please change me? Mm -hmm. If that happens, it will result in being slow to speak, quick to hear, and slow to anger, and a bunch of other things we're about to get to. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, 
the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So we have this continued teaching on what it looks like, again, to be first fruits of, cre- of God's uh, creatures. This is what it looks like. It means to be a doer of the word, like Chip is saying. It means not a hearer only. You can walk out of this room deceiving yourselves. That's important for us to all hear this morning, that we can walk out of this room deceiving ourselves, that we can miss this entirely. And he gives the example of a mirror. This is, this is really helpful. You can think about it like this. If, um, how many of you have looked at the mirror this morning? Almost everybody, right? A few of us were like, I had no time. I was just like, I, woke I up tell. and rolled out. Some of you yeah. can tell the ones who did see. Yeah, we know. I can see. <laughs> now, how many of you who raised your hand, we'll, we'll just count out all the people who uh, didn't raise their hands just now. <laughs> if you didn't look in the mirror this morning, we'll count, just forget, forget about you, okay? You looked in the mirror this morning. You'll probably look in the mirror tomorrow morning. How many of you? Pretty much everybody, right? We're, and then the next morning, we'll do it again, right? We, we go to the mirror, we make sure like, we don't look like a total mess. We make sure things are somewhat in place so we can like, go on with our day. James says, here's this person who's a hearer only. They're like the ones who look in the mirror and then walk away. And at some point, maybe they do it again, maybe not. But the one who perseveres or continues in the law of liberty, that is the word again, this is the one who's not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. So what he's saying is, if you want to be, the reason you have to go back to the mirror every morning is because you forget what you look like. You don't know if you're ready for the day. You have to go back over and over again. Same thing's true with God's word. If you want to live a life as a doer, you have to continue in his word. You have to go back to it over and over again. James does something really, really important, and that's this. He never disconnects our morality from the word. You see, the world wants to do that. They want to kind of disconnect that, like, okay, you take away your scriptural, biblical truths and ideas and place them over here, but, like, we just need moral people. James never does that. He says, look, here's how you're a moral person. Here's how you're a doer. It's the person who continues in this word. And perseveres. And perseveres. So it's, it's our continuance in this word. It's going back. It's like, just like if you wanted to never forget what you look like, you could carry a mirror around all day long. You could walk around in your day-to-day life and just have a mirror up right here. Uh, and that's essentially what he's saying. Like, if you want to live like a doer, like a, a true Christian, that's, that's the way it has to be. Like, the word needs to be right here in your face, in your mind, in your heart, day in and day out, moment by moment. That's what a doer looks like. And, and look in verse 23. There's two categories. There's doers of the word, and there's people who deceive themselves. Mm-hmm. You're one of those two. Well, yes, and... Um, so James gets this rap of being the, the works-based um, passage. I want us to look at something really quick. I do have a good question after this, too. So think about this. When, when we talk about being doers of the Word, we, we're, what we're saying is you're moving toward maturity. It's what James is saying. You're moving toward maturity. If you remember back up uh, early in the book, he says... Uh, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This, this movement toward becoming mature. Yeah. 
Well, the reason we have hope in that is that there is a prophecy that has been fulfilled, right? So flip real quick to Jeremiah 31. I think this helps understand how James can make these really kind of demands of us. So Jeremiah 31, uh, Jeremiah is dealing with a very hard-hearted people. And in 31, 31, you have this promise. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke. Right? They, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So go back to James. When James says, receive with meekness the implanted word, the implanted word is that God has, when Jesus saved you, when you moved from darkness to light, God's law is written on your heart. This Desire to really want to obey it. In Romans 7, Paul in 7, I think it's 22, we've, we've referenced Romans 7 already during James, where Paul's talking about this wrestling match that's going on. I, I do what I don't want to do. And, but verse 22 of Romans 7 says this, In my innermost being, I delight in the law. That's, that's this Jeremiah 31 promise being fulfilled and, and bringing itself to the surface. So when we, we, James is not asking the impossible of us as long as we're living by the Spirit. And he uses the term, so look at verse 25, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty. How, how can a law be liberty? Yeah, exactly. Isn't that an oxymoron? Right. That's what most of us would think when we look at that. We would say law and freedom like how how do those two ha- go hand in it's hand it's like the handcuffs of opportunity or something handcuffs of that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. good um wow that's yeah so that, that how does that good. work well uh, it's the passage that vic was just reading in jeremiah 31 it's it's the declaration of this new covenant that was going to come where where jesus would set us free from the law so where the law no longer um, has a hold on our lives in the way that it sends us away from God, right? Uh, but now through Jesus, the law, uh, because we've been saved by him, the law becomes like, like a mirror to who he is. So uh, when God gives us the law, let me just try to clear this up a little bit. I don't know if I said it very clear. When God gives us the law in the Old Testament, he does so not to like rein us in, but to uh, give us some constraints in living in freedom, just like a fish. If you take a fish out of water, is it free from constraints, the constraint of water? Of course it is, but it's going to die. (laughs) So when God gives us the law, he's showing us, here's who I am. Do not lie because I'm the God of truth. Do not murder because I'm the God of life. 
And so he gives us his law, but this law is not meant uh, to kill us. It only kills us because we're, we're sinners. You, you can also think about it like train tracks. Like a train is most powerful on the tracks, even though it confines it, because the tracks are That's moving right. in the same direction that the engine of the train wants it to move. So when our nature, when the implanted word is pushing yeah. us in the same direction as the tracks, that's Good. when we're most alive. And so that's, this is our opportunity here to look into the law of liberty. This is uh, knowing full well who God is from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Knowing who God is, what he's established, his rule, and knowing that Jesus came to save us from our sins. Uh, so can I ask a question now? Sure. Um, I think this all goes together. So we look at people uh, through the Bible. You have Peter and Moses who struggle with things like anger or uh, rash talk, yet they walked with, with God. Uh, if we're being told to be doers of the word and not hearers only, then like, how do we reconcile the fact that God looks at our heart and not our outward actions? The Bible also talks about that, the idea of God looking into our hearts. Uh, so if the world can't look into our hearts and James is telling us to do actions, like well, how does this all come together? That's a great question. I want the name of the person that asked that question. I'm just kidding. So, so the question is, God looks at our hearts, but James is telling us to, yeah. ex- to look to outward action. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. How do we put those things together? I would go back to the original framework. If there is a true belief, a yeah. true understanding, experiential knowledge of who God is, mm-hmm. and God sees that, but the world cannot see that, what the world will see is what we're about to get to in verses 26 and, and 27. And, and we have, exa- I, I don't remember the examples, but if you, if you take King David, mm-hmm. a, a man after God's own heart, no, <laughs> David was an incredible sinner right he had a dude murdered to cover up adultery that's King David but when confronted with the sin David repents it's that's why Psalm 51 is in the Bible and so the the and I think there's some, and we might do this on the podcast. We might talk about this question a little bit on the podcast. Yeah. This idea that um, when God looks at the heart, he's looking at our position, right? We are positionally right with God. We are justified. And what James is dealing with is not the position, but the practice. Mm-hmm. And we might have to unpack that a little bit on the podcast. Yeah, no, so. that's good. I think that's, that's right to understand um, who we are in Christ. I mean, I think the idea is you're going to see if there's been a true conversion, just like we were talking about earlier with the T-shirt, that you don't just wear a T-shirt that says I'm a Christian, that like that inward experience will always have an outward expression. You'll see people when they're confronted, the fruit like will bear. Jesus uses the example oftentimes of, of trees and vegetation of like the fruit must be born. If you're truly a Christian, it will at some point in some way come out. And, uh, and that's how we'll see. And I want you to see the parallels between the person who doesn't do and the person who does do. Verse uh, 23, the first person looks intently, but then they go away and they forget. 
They look intently, but they go away and they forget. The doer um, observes, he looks into the perfect law, and he perseveres, and he does. So, so you have two people that are looking into the word, mm. and then one forgets and goes away, and the other perseveres and does. The difference between those two was not at the second step, it was actually at the first step. The second person went to the word with meekness yeah. and received the implanted word and pushed out filthiness That's good. and said, I wanna do this and let me show you, I, I wanna make sure we get to this, verses 26 and 27, this is how it plays out. You wanna know, okay, we, we keep talking about doing, what does that look like? What does that mean for me Monday morning? Oh, James is about to give us this. He's about to give us three things that he's actually gonna spend the bulk of the middle part of the book talking about, so we'll have more time to unpack this. But mm -hmm. verse 26, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, again, two categories, either you bridle your tongue or you're deceiving yourself. Mm -hmm. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James is saying, please don't miss this. If you run up against this God, it's gonna change how you live. If you experience him, if this word is inside of you, it will result in a different way of living. And, and so we can go, that's an interesting choice of three things to choose, right? It's kind of a hodgepodge of a list, right? Um, you bridle your tongue, you care for other people, and you keep yourself personally holy. I, I actually don't think it's random at all. Um, I think what we're seeing here is James is saying there are two ways, two primary ways that receiving the implanted word is gonna change how you live. The first is it's gonna change uh, how you interact with other people, and second, it's gonna result in your personal holiness, okay? There are, I think, two pitfalls. There are some people who would label themselves Christian who would say, Christianity is all about loving other people. It's about soup kitchens and hospitals. It is about philanthropy. It's about doing good. That's Christianity. And to be sure, when you look at the history of who started hospitals and who started uh, soup kitchens, it's Christians. But that's not it. That's not the entire message of Christianity. There are other people that would say, well, Christianity doesn't really have social implications. It's mostly about uh, not drinking too much, not cussing, and having a good sexual morality. You know, it's, it's about personal morality. What James is saying is, if you encounter this God, it's gonna change how you interact with other people, and it's gonna change your personal holiness. It will result in a personal righteousness yeah. and a social righteousness, specifically, Look at how um, he speaks about widows and orphans. We visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Notice how active that is. We visit them in their affliction. We don't wait for them to come to us, and we don't wait till the pain's over. Dang, that's a tough burden to shoulder. Why would we do that? Because that's what Jesus did for us. What James is saying is we are to behave like father, like sons. God moved towards us when we were hurting, and so we move against systems of injustice and wrongdoing. Joel, I think about what you and Jen did. You identified injustice in the orphan care system within our state of Georgia, and you went to the legislature and said, this is wrong, this is hurting kids. Because of the way God has loved us, we're gonna move against that. Yeah. But, but it's not just about um, 
being really good people for the community. That happens, but we also have to look at our own personal holiness. And so I think James has given us a lot to work with today. And I just wanna ask you, will you let this sit on you? Will you receive this implanted word with meekness and say, we've covered a lot of different examples of how this word plays out in our hearts. Is there something that you need to do today? Not to make yourself right before God, but because, because you've approached this word and you've said, God, when I butt up against your word, I want you to win. Mm. Uh, will you teach me? Will you change me and mold me? I, I just want to ask, will you think, I, I, let's just give it a few seconds. Will you think, is there something God wants you to do? Father, thank you for your implanted word. Teach us to receive it with meekness. Teach us to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Teach us to hear with a desire to understand and to follow after you. Teach us to mirror your example of Jesus who perfectly did and who perfectly followed. Make us more and more like you and sanctify us. Thank you, Father. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.